Welcome to Vibrant, an affirming healthcare podcast from CAP, Our House, and Prism Health. I'm your host, Dustin Vance, and I'll be here sitting down with folks across our agency to get the inside scoop on the work they do to provide compassionate, affirming care to all those in our community. Let's get the show started. Hi folks, before we get started, I did want to provide a quick disclaimer for the episode ahead. Today's episode features a discussion around hepatitis, and there will be some mildly graphic descriptions of its symptoms as well as modes of transmission, including various sexual activities. Listener discretion is advised. And with that said, today we are talking hepatitis. Uh, May 19th is National Hepatitis Testing Day, and I have the pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Ben Sokoloff, one of our incredible primary care providers at Prism Health, to talk about the importance of hepatitis testing, treatment, and prevention. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sokoloff. Hey, thanks for having me here. Um, We're really excited to get into today's topic, but before we get started, do you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little more about your professional background in medicine? Sure, yeah. So, um, you know, I grew up in Michigan, suburbs of Detroit, um, came out to my parents as gay at Michigan State University. I then got my degree um, from medical school in Florida at Nova Southeastern University and subsequently did my internal medicine training in Portland, Oregon, um, and uh, subsequent HIV and hepatitis fellowship um, through the University of Massachusetts. Well, it sounds like your studies have taken you all over the country, Um, so we're really happy to have you back in Portland with us. Um, For those who aren't very familiar with or perhaps don't fully understand hepatitis, could you give us an overview of hepatitis and the types of viruses that cause it and their impacts on the body? Sure. Um, So, well, I'll back up for a sec and just say that um, hepatitis itself really just refers to any kind of inflammation of the liver can be caused by a very wide differential of causes, um, one of which does include viruses. Um, And there are four common viruses that we'll often refer to that infect the liver. Um, And they each have their own unique traits. Um, So there's A, B, C, and E. There is also a fifth one, uh, which is referred to as Delta, but which is not um, one that we generally test for, not one that generally affects the common general population. Hepatitis A virus it acts similarly to hepatitis E, and we can, in a sense, group those two together. Both of them really cause just acute or short-term liver inflammation. Neither one of them live in the body throughout your life or even long-term. Um, and both of them are transmitted um, what, through what we call fecal to oral transmission. And that means um, these viruses are transmitted through the GI tract and any consumption of anything that might have some uh, fecal contamination is a risk factor for transmission. Um, And so when we think about that, we think about poor hygiene, not hand washing after using the restroom, um, perhaps other 
poor hygiene methods. Uh, hepatitis B and C, in a sense, are also similar in that those are both chronic viruses. Um, they have the potential to both live inside the body long-term and lifelong. Um, hepatitis B and C are also transmitted very similarly, so they can be transmitted through sexual activity, although more commonly they'll be transmitted through uh, intravenous drug use or sharing of um, intravenous equipment such as syringes or needles. So hepatitis A and B, because those are acute viruses, those can present with nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal pain or abdominal upset. Um, people can be really sick, um, even requiring admission to an ICU, um, or it could be more of a mild infection and anywhere somewhere in between is a possibility as well. But most folks will recover um, from those viruses without specific directed treatment at those viruses. Gotcha. So when should someone seek out testing for hepatitis or how often should someone be tested for hepatitis? Yeah, and that's a good question too. So generally speaking, we don't test or screen for hepatitis A or for hepatitis E. We do do screening for hepatitis B and C. For hepatitis C, it is recommended that folks be screened at least once in their lifetime um, between the ages of 18 and 65. Um, and depending on which guidelines, those age ranges are very slightly different. Um, it might be warranted to continue ongoing screening intermittently if there are ongoing risks risk factors. For hepatitis B, um, we don't always do universal screening. So that means we don't screen every single person for hepatitis B. Uh, many folks in the US will have had vaccination at a very young age for hepatitis B. And we may uh, want to do a test for an antibody for hepatitis B in some folks if there's any question if they haven't been vaccinated. We might want to do screening more so in folks who have many sexual partners who might be at higher risk through sexual transmission or for folks who are migrating here from other countries um, or if they've migrated way in the past and haven't been tested since they've moved here, we might want to do that as well, because we do see it at a higher rate in other countries. And is it possible to treat any of the types of hepatitis you've mentioned? Unlike hepatitis A and E, um, we do have treatments for hepatitis B and C that are directed specifically at those viruses. Hepatitis C, we can in fact even cure. Um, so it's a chronic lifelong infection, but we can cure that infection with the medications that we have nowadays and with a very high cure rate as well. Hepatitis B, we don't have the means to cure at this point, but we can very easily treat it long-term 
with the medications that we do have. And what might put someone at an elevated risk of contracting any of the types of hepatitis you've mentioned so far? Yeah, so and that goes back to what are the risk factors for these viruses for hepatitis A and E? It's a matter of hygiene. So folks who may not be able to maintain good hygiene, so we're thinking folks who might be homeless, unhoused, not have ready access to a shower or a sink, um, those folks are at high risk for hepatitis A. Uh, the other group who are at higher risk for hepatitis A infection are um, folks who might participate in rimming or otherwise might um, have their mouth come in contact either with the anus, rectum, or through finger play that might involve the anus or rectum. And we can easily forget that we touch our face or mouth very commonly. Um, so that yeah, that is another method of transmission. And so we might focus our vaccinations on groups who are, of course, homeless, uh, groups who may involve in any kind of sexual activities involving the anus or rectum. Um, but of course, we try to vaccinate everyone. So that includes hepatitis A. We said that hepatitis A and E are similar. We don't have a vaccine for hepatitis E, but it's a similar method of transmission. And so the same risk factors apply. There's an additional risk factor for hepatitis E that is unique to hepatitis E and that it might be more aggressive in folks who are pregnant. Um, and that's one of its common associations. Uh, thankfully, we don't see hepatitis E nearly as much as the other viruses. For hepatitis B and C, um, again, going back to those risk factors, mainly are sexual and intravenous drug use and sharing of needles. It used to be once upon a time that another risk factor was um, transfusions, and that was prior to uh, national screenings at blood banks. And we're thinking back to prior to 92, at least for hepatitis C. And so folks who have more sexual partners or perhaps frequent sexual partners um, or perhaps um, might be under sexual duress, perhaps they're having non-consensual sex, um, those folks uh, might be at higher risk for both hepatitis B and hepatitis C. There is one other um, risk factor for hepatitis C, which is less common, but um, it is associated with cocaine use as well. Um, it's not something that we really see in our community here in Portland, um, but it is one possible other means of transmission. Well, um, now that we ha kind of have a better understanding of how hepatitis is transmitted, um, what are some ways that people uh, can lower or eliminate their risk of contracting hepatitis? You mentioned um, the vaccines for hepatitis A and B, um, but what, are, what other preventative tools do folks have at their disposal? Yeah, so um, for hepatitis A and B, um, that's pretty easy. Vaccination is the best means of protection. For hepatitis A, we have a vaccine that's been around for a long time. And same with hepatitis B. 
Uh, hepatitis A only recently has the CDC suggested more universal uh, vaccination for that. Um, prior to more recently, it was advocated in folks who uh, were at higher risk or um, in areas where there were outbreaks of hepatitis A. Um, but we've kind of moved past that because we do see that the prevalence of outbreaks is increasing throughout the U.S. And so we are moving towards doing more universal vaccination for hepatitis A. Um, and we can also test for an antibody to see if perhaps someone has been vaccinated in the past and still has immunity. For hepatitis B, um, like I said, there's also been vaccination for a long time. Usually vaccination is universal. That means we vaccinate everyone starting at a young age. And of course, there are people who um, don't have that vaccination early on. Perhaps they slipped through the cracks or perhaps had parents who were averse to vaccination at that age. Um, and so we can definitely do catch-up vaccination for anyone who hasn't had that vaccine at an early age. Um, and in some cases, some people won't respond to the hepatitis B vaccine series. And so we might repeat the vaccine or perhaps use a different form of the vaccine. For hepatitis A and E, um, just keeping good hygiene practices um, if bottoming for sexual partners, um, just using good hygiene measures, showering, um, perhaps even douching might provide some reduced risk, but I don't think we have enough evidence to provide that. Um, for hepatitis B and C, uh, using safe sexual measures can reduce that risk. Condom usage certainly can reduce that risk for penetrative sex. Um, if there's any uh, blood play in your sexual activities, that could be a risk factor for transmission for both of those. And one means of perhaps reducing that risk would just be avoiding uh, sharing of blood, um, any means of passing blood from one exposed cut to someone else's exposed cut, um, not consuming any blood from other persons, uh, those might reduce the risk for transmission. Um, and we can think of this too as also perhaps reducing risk for HIV transmission as well. Um, and then for those who uh, may use injection drugs, having a sterile needle exchange program is a great means of reducing risk. Um, and in Portland, we do have access to syringe services programs. Um, that may not be the case everywhere, um, but I would definitely encourage discussing that with your doctor. Um, if you might be using intravenous drugs and might be at higher risk for acquisition of either hepatitis B or C. Well, it sounds like folks have a lot of prevention tools at their disposal when it comes to hepatitis, so thanks for walking us through all of those. Um, I guess as we get ready to close out, what message do you feel is important to leave our listeners with on National Hepatitis Testing Day? Yeah, so I would say that um, hepatitis C 
um, if I'm going to pick out one virus of them all, is prevalent in the U.S. Um, it is one that we can test for. We can't vaccinate for it yet, but we can certainly cure it. Um, and we can certainly prevent both liver cancer, liver disease, even death from hepatitis C by simply testing and treating. And we can definitely prevent infection with hepatitis A and B with vaccinations. And I would encourage everyone to obtain those vaccinations for themselves. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for spending today with us and sharing with us why it's just so critically important to understand hepatitis and how it impacts our community. Um, for our listeners, to find out if more regular testing, vaccination, or treatment for hepatitis is right for you, we highly suggest talking to your primary care provider. Um, you can also learn more about our care team at Prism Health um, and if it could be a good fit for you by giving us a call at 503-445-7699 or online at www.prismhealth.org. Well, that's our show for today, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in for another episode, and we can't wait to share a new one with you really soon. In the meantime, if you have questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us at comms at capnw.org. Until then, stay vibrant.